0: Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we're continuing on in our sermon series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And throughout this series, we're talking about what we can do about the big problems that we see in the world all around us. And let's just be honest here, our world is filled with some pretty big problems. From terrorism to human trafficking to systemic racism to climate change to childhood poverty to the opioid epidemic to illegal immigration, our world is filled with problems that seem like they are just too big for us to solve. And in light of events that have taken place over the last couple of weeks, that's definitely true for the problem of gun violence here in the United States of America. Well, in this episode sermon, we are going to be trying to find some practical things that we can do to respond to all of these problems that we see around us. So let's get right into this episode sermon. When we came together to worship last
1: Sunday morning, we were just five days removed from the mass shooting that took place in Uvalde, Texas. So when we came together to worship last Sunday, many of us were still trying to wrap our minds around murder of 19 elementary school children and two of their teachers. and During my sermon last Sunday, I told you that even though I know it is one of my responsibilities as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to speak out in the aftermath of these horrific events and these unimaginable acts of evil, because we need to let the world know that God is not silent, I still didn't really know what to say. And the truth is, I continue to feel the same way today, because as we come together to worship today, we are four days removed from another mass shooting that took place. This is what happened in a medical center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where four innocent people lost their lives. So as we come together to worship today, I still feel like I just don't know what to say. Because we have been down this path so many times before. There have been more than 230 mass shootings in the United States of America this year. We've only had 155 days in 2022 so far. And because we've been down this road so many times before, I don't know what to say. Because no matter what I say, no matter what anyone says, nothing seems to change. Sometimes it feels like the epidemic of gun violence in the United States of America is just too big of a problem to solve. But it's not just the problem of gun violence. It can feel like it's too big of a problem for us to solve. Sometimes it feels like we live in a world that is filled with problems that are too big to solve. From terrorism, to human trafficking, to systemic racism, to illegal immigration, to climate change, to childhood poverty, to the opioid epidemic. Sometimes it feels like we live in a world that is filled with problems that are too big to solve. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Are we just supposed to throw our hands up and say that there is nothing that we can do? Are we just supposed to give in and resign ourselves to living in a world that is filled with all of these problems? Are we just supposed to accept the darkness that is all around us? That's what we're talking about during this sermon series at Melville Pines. We're talking about what we can do when we don't know what to do. And when it comes to these big problems in the world, we don't know what to do. And specifically today, we're going to be trying to find some specific things that we can do to help us face the darkness in the world around us to get started, as we think about how we can face the darkness in the world around us, I want to start by taking a look at how the people of Israel were able to face one of the darkest times that they ever faced. So if you've got a Bible close by, let me encourage you to go ahead and grab it and turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. And as we start reading in Exodus chapter 1, we're pretty quickly going to realize just how dark the world was for the people of Israel. So Exodus chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 8. Here's what it says. Now a new king came to power in Egypt who didn't know Joseph. He said to his people, The Israelite people are now larger in number and stronger than we are. Come on, let's be smart and let's deal with them. Otherwise they will only grow in number. and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and escape from the land. As a result, the Egyptians put foremen of forced work gangs over the Israelites to harass them with hard work. They had to build storage cities named Bitham and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they grew and spread, so much so that the Egyptians started to look at the Israelites with disgust and dread. So the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. They made their lives miserable with hard labor. Making mortar and bricks, doing field work, and by forcing them to do all kinds of other cruel work. So, in this passage, we read that the people of Israel have been enslaved by the Egyptians. And what this means is that the people of Israel were considered to be the property of Egypt's king, the Pharaoh. That means the people of Israel had no civil rights, they had no freedom. They were constantly living under the oppressive thumb of their Egyptian rulers, they were always being harassed or abused by the Pharaoh and other Egyptians, and they had no real hope that anything was ever going to change, because the people of Israel were enslaved for 400 years. So just by reading the beginning of Exodus, it's pretty easy to see that the people of Israel were living in a dark and difficult time, and that's really what the book of Exodus is all about. The book of Exodus is about the people of Israel's journey out of the darkness. So, as we are trying to face the darkness that exists in the world around us, it seems like we can learn some lessons from the people of Israel in the story of the Exodus to help us face those dark times. And we can learn from the people of Israel and the way they face the Exodus, what we can do when we don't know what to do. So, to get started, there's no better place for us to look in the story of Exodus than what happens Next, as we keep reading in Exodus one fifteen, but before we continue on reading with this, let me just remind you where we're at. The people of Israel are enslaved by the Egyptians, and the Egyptians are making the Israelites' lives miserable. They are forcing the Israelites to do hard labor. That means they're making them make mortar and bricks and work out in the fields and do any other kind of dangerous or demanding job that you can possibly imagine. And as we keep reading in Exodus chapter one to see that things only get worse for the people of Israel. So let's pick back up in Exodus 1, verse 15, where we're told, The king of Egypt spoke to two Hebrew midwives named Shifra and Kuah. When you are helping the Hebrew women give birth, if you see the baby being born, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, you can let her live. So not only have the people of Israel been enslaved by the Egyptians, not only have the people of Israel been forced to do hard labor by the Egyptians, in these couple of verses we're told that now the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, has ordered that if there are any baby boys born to the people of Israel, that those baby boys are to be executed. We're about living in a dark time. I can't imagine too many times it could possibly be darker than that. I mean, this is the kind of situation that when you look at it, when I look at it, I feel like I have no way to respond, to know how to respond to the situation. This is the kind of situation that makes me want to throw my hands up and say, there's absolutely nothing I can do about all of this darkness. This is the kind of situation that just makes me want to give in, to give up, to resign to the problems of this world. Remember? The book of Exodus is the story of Israel's journey out of the darkness. And as we keep reading in Exodus chapter 1, we're going to see how the two midwives that were mentioned in those last couple of verses we read, Shifra and Puah, responded to the darkness that they faced. So let's keep reading in Exodus chapter 1, and we'll pick back it up in verse 17. Here's what it says. Now the two midwives respected God. So they did not obey the Egyptians' king's order. Instead, they let the baby boys live. So the king of Egypt called the two midwives, and he said to them, Why are you doing this? Why are you letting the baby boys live? The two midwives said to Pharaoh, Because Hebrew women aren't like Egyptian women. They're much stronger. They give birth before any midwives can get to them. So God treated the midwives well. And the people kept on multiplying and became very strong. And because the midwives respected God, God gave them households of their own. Now, remember what the people of Israel have been facing. The people of Israel have been enslaved by the Egyptians and they have been living as slaves for centuries. And now they have had the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, give an order that any baby boys born to the people of Israel are to be executed. Those are two are two huge problems that don't have easy solutions. Those are the kind of problems that can leave all of us feeling overwhelmed and paralyzed. Those are the kind of problems that can leave us all feeling like there is nothing we can do about them. These are the kind of problems that make us all wonder, what can we do since we don't know what to do? But did you hear how the midwives responded? Did you hear how those midwives responded to the Pharaoh's order that they were to kill any baby boys that were born to the people of Israel? Did those midwives just throw their hands up and say that there was nothing they could do about the Pharaoh's order? Did those midwives just go along and do exactly what the Pharaoh had told them to do and later justify it by saying they were just following orders? Did those midwives just accept the darkness that was all around them? The midwives didn't do any of those things. Instead, the midwives did the only thing that they could do to bring an end to a little bit of that darkness. And what was the only thing that they could do to bring an end to a little bit of the darkness in the world they were living in, they let those baby boys live. They let those baby boys live. So just by letting those baby boys live, that didn't bring an end to Israel's slavery in Egypt. And just by letting those baby boys live, that didn't get rid of the Pharaoh's orders that all of the baby boys were supposed to be killed. So just by letting those baby boys live, those midwives, they didn't bring an end to all of the problems that the people of Israel were facing. But here's what they did do. They let a little light shine into the darkness. They let a little light shine into the darkness. And if you have ever found yourself standing in a pitch black room, you know that a little light can go a long way. Science even backs this up. Because two professors at Texas A&M University have done the research, and they have seen that the human eye is capable of seeing the flame from a single candle when it is a mile and a half away if it's pitch black. Outside. So, what that means is that if you're worshiping with us in person right now today, your eye is capable of seeing the flame from a single candle that would be all the way at the Oxmoor Mall if it were pitch black outside. So, a little bit of light can go a long way. And this is something that we need to remember when we face darkness in the world around us. This is something that we need to remember that you need to remember when you don't know what to do about these problems. You need to remember that you may not be able to light up the whole world, but you can light up the world around you. You may not be able to light up the whole world, but you can light up the world around you. And that's exactly what the midwives and the story of the Exodus did. They lit up the world around them. They weren't capable of lighting up the whole world and bringing an end to Israel's slavery. They could light up the world around them, and they did that by letting their light shine and protecting those baby boys, making sure that they were able to live. And we can do the exact same thing when we face big problems in our world today. We can let our light shine when we face big problems in our world today, like the problem of gun violence. shine bright enough that it's going to eliminate the problem of gun violence in our country, and our world, entirely. But all of us are capable of letting our light shine onto the problem of gun violence. So what can we do to let our light shine on the problem of gun violence? Well, one thing that we can do, we started talking about a little bit last Sunday, we were talking about how we can continue to live in a world that is filled with so much suffering. And we said that if we're going to live in a world that is filled with so much suffering, that we need to join together with people who are suffering. So one thing that we can do to let our light shine on the problem of gun violence in the world is to join with victims of gun violence and their families in their suffering. Now, what does that mean? Well, obviously it means that one thing that we can do for victims of gun violence and their families is that we can pray for them. We can lift them up in our prayers. We can ask God to be with them and to comfort them. We can do so much more than that. When it comes to joining with the families that lost their children in Uvalde, Texas, and they're suffering, one thing that we can do is we can contribute to the funds that have been set up to help these families in the days and weeks and months to come. Now, one of these funds has been set up by the first state bank of Uvalde, Texas, and there are some verified fundraisers that are happening on GoFundMe for each of these victims' families right now. So if you would like to contribute to those funds, if you want to learn a little bit more about them, we're going to share a link in the comments thread on this post on Facebook to an article that was written by the Texas Tribune that gives you information on these funds and how you can contribute to each of them. But yes, financially supporting them is one way that we can join them in their suffering and let our light shine on the problem of gun violence. But that's not all we can do. To let our light shine on the problem of gun violence in our world today. Another thing that we can do, maybe the most important thing that we can do, is to let our voices be heard on this problem of gun violence. So if you are sick and tired of all this gun violence, if you are fed up with all of this gun violence, like I said earlier in the sermon, there have been 230 More than 230 mass murders, mass shootings in the United States of America this year alone, if you're fed up with it, you need to let your voice be heard. But here's the thing. Letting your voice be heard doesn't just mean that you go on your social media accounts or your Facebook page and make a post about gun violence, because unfortunately a lot of people haven't realized this yet, but just posting something on Facebook doesn't change anything. So if you want to make your voice heard. If you want to bring about real change, then you need to contact people who can bring about real change and make your voice heard to them. So what that means is that you need to be willing to contact your elected officials and your political representatives and make your voice heard to them. That's what I did last week in the aftermath of the mass shooting that took place in Uvalde, Texas. I went online and I figured out how I could contact two Senators who represent the Commonwealth of Kentucky in the United States Senate. So I figured out how to contact Senator Mitch McConnell's office and Senator Rand Paul's offices, and I reached out to them to make my voice heard. I picked up the phone, I called both of their offices, left both of them a message, I shot both of their offices a couple of emails, and I told them that I am fed up with the problem of gun violence, and that since they represent me, I expect them to do something to try to prevent another mass shooting from taking place in the United States. Now, specifically, what I told them to do, what I asked them to do, was to vote yes on H.R. 8. Now, H.R. 8 is a bill that has been passed by the House of Representatives in the United States multiple times over the last couple of years. But our United States Senate has yet to even discuss this bill. But what HRA does is it expands background checks on gun purchases. And I know that some of y'all are afraid that I'm starting to get a little political while I'm standing up here this morning, but let me make something abundantly clear for you. According to the most recent surveys, which were conducted last week, 88% of Americans, regardless of political party, are in favor of expanding background checks on gun purchases. 88% of Americans... 88% of Americans don't agree on anything. I could ask 100 Americans if the sky was blue and I don't think 88 of them would agree with me on it. So 88% of Americans are in favor of expanding these background checks on gun purchases. So this means it's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. This is an American issue. and This is the kind of politics that we as followers of Jesus should be involved in. So I reached out and I asked Senator McConnell and Senator Rand Paul to be in favor of this bill. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that one person making a couple of phone calls or shooting a couple of emails is going to solve the problem of gun violence in our world. But here's what I do believe. I believe that if enough of us reach out to our elected officials and our political representatives and we tell them that this is an issue that matters to us and that we expect them to do something about it, that eventually they will do something about it because they're going to realize it's the only way for them to stay in office. So, if you want to make your voice heard, specifically if you're one of the 88% of Americans that are in favor of expanded background checks on gun purchases like I am, we've got resources to help you contact that Ms. McConnell and Senator Rand Paul, if you live here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I know that there are people who are joining us from other places today. But we have the, the, some information that if you're here with us in person right now, you can pick up at our welcome center as you leave. It has contact information from both of our senators, as well as samples about what you can say, a phone call to them, or a letter or email that you send to them. If you're joining us online, we're be, you can go on to our website on the blog on our website and you'll find all the same information on a blog post. You find that at mhbcgobal.com blog. So we're all smart enough. We all realize that there are problems in this world that we cannot solve on our own. There are problems where we are never going to be able to light up the entire world. But we should also be wise enough to realize that we can light up the world that is around us. So what we have to figure out is what we are going to do with the light of Christ that is within us. Now, I don't know about you, but with this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. With this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine on the problem of gun violence in the world around us. With this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine on the darkness that feels like it surrounds us. With this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine and bring hope to anyone that I possibly can. With this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine until real change happens in this world. With this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, you know that we live in a world that is filled with big problems, with problems that seem like they are just too big for any of us to solve. As God, there are problems that are beyond our scope. Things that we as individuals are never going to be able to solve on our own. But God, when we come together, when we come together and we raise our collective voice, God, we can make this world a better place. We can solve big problems. Because God, we believe that you are a God who values life. We believe that you are a God who is just as upset and angry and furious about all of these mass shootings that have taken place in the United States of America as we are. So God, help us let our light shine. Help us light. let the light of Christ that is within each of us to shine into the darkness that is brought about by gun violence. Let our light shine into the darkness of all these big problems that we face.
0: Let our light shine
1: into the darkness and bring some real change into this world. Let us be bold enough. Let us be brave enough to be your people, to be your presence, and to let your light shine through our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to do what you can about the big problems that are in the world around us. Because, yes, we're, on our own, we're not able to light up the whole world and eliminate these major problems. But we can let our light shine. So I hope that you'll take this little light of yours and let it shine into the world around you. And I especially hope you'll do that when it comes to the problem of gun violence by making your voice heard. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be finishing up the sermon series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And also remember that you were invited to come and worship with us online every Sunday morning. You can find us at 1030 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com dot com slash live we would love to have you come and join us well until next time i hope that you have a great week i will be praying for you and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast